Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and today for our first episode of 2021, by the time this goes up, we are taking some time to reflect on the past year because she was a doozy. She sure was. Before we can move forward, we have to address what happened. Ooh, yeah, we're going to do some processing live. <laughs> Real time. <laughs> yeah, I think that it'll be interesting to hear. I think we'll see a lot of that in the coming days. We're recording this just before the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see people kind of start to reflect on their years. Mm -hmm. And I know some people had like one of the best years of their lives. I know lots of people who got engaged and got married in intimate settings and had babies and stuff. So I'm sure like life continued and people had great moments. And so we don't want to be too doom and gloom. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try not to be. It's a balance. <laughs> Potential name ideas for this episode was 2020 the worst year ever. Yeah, not sure what it's actually going to yeah. end up being named, we'll but see how we feel by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Kylie, you felt like it was it was okay. I think okay is a good descriptor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there were a lot of really heavy periods of time and I think that I personally grew a lot I think I did a lot of work to kind of come up with tools that worked for me to you know make it through the year but I think I've mentioned this in a couple past episodes that uh 2019 was pretty rough going for me so I yeah it was okay you know Mm. (laughs) it's an okay year (laughs) that's good I think I think it's also this interesting thing we do as humans I do this myself for sure where I try to like put a whole rating on an entire Mm. year like I, I remember we talked about this last year when the year ended and we were trying to figure out like whether or not it was a good year or not I find it to be quite a difficult task because you can't really just like mush it all together and come up with a word for it I don't think like it's complicated and I also think that kind of does a disservice because even to go like oh it was everyone calls it like a dumpster fire and stuff (laughs) does do a disservice to like neglect all of the things that did happen like small moments of joy or growth or connection or whatever it was like I'm sure can I assume that everyone had like little bits and pieces of that? Maybe not, but hopefully I hope so for sure. And I just think, I don't know. I always have a hard time trying to like lump it all together as good or bad. So maybe we yeah. will try not to. I feel like it's kind of what we've talked about in the past in relation to, I know we've talked about like friendships of like mm-hmm. the average of how the person makes you feel. Right. So I, I do kind of feel like it's the average of how the year made you feel oh. and also kind of stressed (laughs) well yeah (laughs) but how you place your attention Mm -hmm. is a huge thing that will shape the way you see anything and Mm -hmm. obviously our brains have a really strong negativity bias so Mm -hmm. I think it it was easy and understandably so to kind of slip into uh some dark places this year but I don't know I, I think if you averaged out like 
safe and healthy and, mm-hmm. you know, with a roof over your head, you're and not to negate anything <laughs> that anyone's mm-hmm. going through, but on average, like, I don't know. It, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> going guess, back to the word okay. I guess it's all relative too, right? Like 2019, given your circumstances, was this or that. But 2020, it's like if you manage to keep your head above water relative to other years, that's like a bigger feat, I would say, as a general yeah. population. And so if you were able to find some joy or connection or if you were just able to take care of yourself, those seem like big wins to me when it was kind of things were not, everything was sort of working against us. Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder like to what degree did people have some sort of awakening? Like I wonder Mm -hmm. if as a collective we – we'll actually learn something from this or if we'll just return to, I don't know, life as we knew it in 2019. You know what I mean? Like I, I think for me, my greatest fear is that like, we don't, we don't listen to the lessons we learned this year, which like we can talk about today, what some of those were for us. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone probably learned something from this experience, like in some way. And yeah, I think to return to like life before would just be like such a disservice to everything that we went through this year, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if, I mean, that doesn't seem possible. I to, hope so. To me. Yeah. I think like a, a year plus long global pandemic. Yeah. Hope. I mean, I think that does some permanent change <laughs> to, to everything. I, I hope. I just don't, I don't think like, you know, everyone's saying like the new normal. Mm-hmm. Your your most hated thing. I it's I just okay, first of all, when are we gonna stop saying that? Like <laughs> this is the normal now. <laughs> like yeah. and what is normal? So I don't know. I don't think things will ever go back to whatever normal people are referring to. But yeah, let's get some new phrasing. Cause new normal is <laughs> it's no longer really new, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's sort of an interesting concept. I saw something this year that really resonated with me where it was kind of talking about how like it it should be sort of a shift back to recognizing that like we're this might I feel like this whole episode is gonna be like one giant cliche I just like don't know how to avoid it I just think that's like it's just a goddamn cliche to reflect on a year so just let us have this yeah (laughs) but it was talking about how like we as humans are like products of nature and like we're very much supposed to be in nature and we have gotten so disconnected from that and I think what this year has shown me a lot is that like zoom and texting and instagram and all the bullshit like it doesn't <laughs> it does it's not the same thing <laughs> it's not connecting it's not the same thing like hugging and touching and laughing with a person across the table and like holding hands, whatever it is. I sound so fluffy right now, but I'm serious. (laughs) Like those, it doesn't count. And so I think it was, the quote was sort of about like, I hope that we realize what we were doing isn't working. Like going further and further into like this digital world where we think that that can compensate for it. It's not. I even, I even make that cop out for myself where I'm like, Oh, I have this group chat with my girlfriends that I've known forever and we talk to each other every day, which I absolutely love. It's such an easy, convenient way for us to stay in touch, but it shouldn't replace me picking up the phone and calling that person or me making mm-hmm. plans with the person that's in that lives nearby, whatever it is. Like 
I think I use it as a crutch to a point where it's like that it's it's not the same thing. <laughs> you sending yeah. each other memes via Instagram <laughs> is not the same thing as like going for a walk together, whatever it is. So I yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now, but that was just a huge piece for me was about I think I thought that they were sort of equitable, like one mm-hmm. could replace the other. And this year has shown me that at least personally, like I need to be near people. And like, I just think that's like, we've talked a lot about how we're social creatures. I think it's even like facial cues and body language and all these things that like, I crave that type of discourse and and 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The more I learn about our brains and how they work, the more that like, it's so complicated but at the root it's very simple like we have a brain that for (laughs) me and my like date ranges thousands of years hundreds of a long time we were in tribes and you get a sense of safety from connection and when you don't have that physical like (laughs) here's something to fact check there's something about I think it's like a a minute long hug like a good hug with someone that actually down regulates your nervous system. Like it makes you feel safe. Mm. I saw something on Instagram that was like, you need eight hugs a day minimum. I don't know if that's science, but it was like, <laughs> that should be your threshold. Also coming Agreed. from someone who's not a huge fan of hugging. I was like, yeah. I love hugs. I think now it will change my view on that for sure. That's true. That's yeah. true. But what you're saying about like the digital communication and, and thinking that it might be equal to what's mm-hmm. in person I totally agree like I think 90% of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. that was from a book I just read called the body <laughs> keeps the score so we can do a better fact check on that <laughs> but you lose so much of the nuance of communication just through a screen and I think that our brains can feel that I think mm-hmm. that like there's this sense of unease when like it's almost like this like when you're in person and communicating but there's something big missing like it's almost kind of like an uncanny valley situation like it's almost real but it's not quite the same and i think that's probably pretty confusing for our little brains you know yeah i agree i also think like these platforms are all sold to us as a connectivity thing like oh, it's God, all yeah. sold to you as like Instagram was about it was about connecting with your friends, like sharing photos mm-hmm. with your friends. And Facebook is about staying connected with people and texting. Like all of that is just like presented to you in a way that and in a sense it does. Like it it connects you to people that maybe you'd have a harder time connecting with because they're far away or whatever it is. But I just feel like for me personally, I depended on it too much to the point where it's like I have a best friend who lives across the street from me. And this year we went for a ton of walks because that was all we were allowed to do. And I don't know that we would have done that otherwise, but it's like, you're just craving like human. Mm -hmm. I just want to walk even if we're six feet apart. (laughs) I just want to like see your face, see it. Because the other thing that I think has happened is because we can't pick up on the cues and we're not getting like nonverbal cues. I know personally as someone who's like so, I, I'm very extroverted and not someone who's like struggled with social anxiety. Like I love to be with people, not that people with social anxiety don't, but I just, I find it's easy for me. My social anxiety was so heightened this year where like someone, someone would react to something I said on a zoom or via text. And 
instantly I'd be like, this person, this person hates me. This person's bad at me. <laughs> or like they read my message. They left me on read. All of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't have sent that. That was so stupid. And it's like things that I had never really dealt with before, but it's because I wasn't getting any of that other yeah like typical affirmation I would get just from spending time with people I know totally. so when all of that is stripped away and it's just like messages back and forth it's so easy to be like you almost need way more from people than than they're used to giving because it's it yeah. unspoken normally I think totally like the test of our communication skills this year right. has been a big one like yeah. because there's so much that is left unsaid mm-hmm. in I think like what would be considered normal communication, like verbal communication, so much is left up to interpretation when it's just like text or virtual. Mm-hmm. I totally get what you mean. It's like you're trying to fill in all that missing information and then totally. it just leads to catastrophizing. Yeah. So that's been a big thing is like that for me, I think like a huge takeaway has just been the, the value and importance of human connection. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I just feel like, again I'm gonna sound so cheesy but it kind of just seems like it if we didn't know or realize it before isn't that sort of the whole point because I know people say like there's no point in being successful and things like that if you have no one to turn to when you hit that mark and you know what I mean like if you're all alone Mm -hmm. what's the point and I've always heard that and been like of course that makes sense to me I value the relationships in my life but I feel like it's been taken now to such a greater degree where I'm just like no, that's that is the point. Like yeah. <laughs> before, I used to think all the other stuff was the point, but make sure you have good connections. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, no, no, <laughs> the people, the whole point, everything else is just like, I don't know the things that you do in life. But like, yeah. I, I don't know. It sounds so cheesy, but for me, that was such a big realization where it was sort of in the back of my mind, and I realized it, but I don't think I was actioning it. I wasn't. I'm the type of person I said this to a friend the other day where I was like, I will pick listening to a podcast. This is such a gross exposure of like the way my mind works, but it's fine. Um, (laughs) I will pick going for a walk and listening to a podcast or an audiobook over calling a friend on that walk because the podcast or the audiobook is more productive to me. And so Mm. to me calling the friend and I'm sorry to my friends, but sometimes my brain is like that you should spend your time doing more productive things, which I fully recognize is so gross. And now I feel like I'm more, I have a better viewpoint of going like, that is twisted. You have that backwards. <laughs> like, stop. Like, that's just a, it's a wild way that my brain's been programmed the whole time of like, oh no, I don't have time for that. And I think I think about all the times where I said no to plans because I wanted to do something more productive or work on something or wake up the next day ready to have a productive day. It's like, <laughs> Jesus, like calm down, spend time with people. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Once everything got stripped away, it's yeah. pretty easy to kind of, I mean, easy in air quotes yeah. to... <laughs> realize what's important for sure and what Mm -hmm. makes you I don't know feel alive (laughs) yeah so also kind of building off of that I watched soul last night oh yeah I want to watch that oh my god it destroyed me (laughs) but what a movie for 2020 like I just don't know how they do this first of all (laughs) this is not a movie for children I just gotta say people were like classic Disney 
embeds a message for adults in a children's movie. I was like, this is a pretty intellectually deep movie. It's like about before life and after life and things. Cool. I was like, I just feel like I maybe I'm wrong. I guess it's animated, <laughs> but so it's just like a magical movie. But the one thing I really, really loved that kind of is related to what I'm saying is in it, there's like these lost souls. I won't, no spoilies, I promise. <laughs> but in it, there's like these lost souls. They're in this space and there's these lost souls roaming around and they look like these big, like sad lumps of nothing. <laughs> and the person is like, oh, well, what? What are these people? And they're like, oh, these are lost souls. And they're kind of asking like, why? And they said lost souls are obsessed by something that disconnects them from life. And I I know, so deep. I got shivers. <laughs> what are you doing? And I resonate, like, I just think that's such a good point. And it kind of talked about, too, like, even when you're really obsessed with something that's, like, your passion, if you go too far into the obsession that you become disconnected, then you're lost type of thing. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I just thought that was so poignant, like, for this year is I feel like, personally – all year I've really tried to disconnect from what's going on because Mm -hmm. it's almost a survival tactic, which I I don't think that there's anything wrong with. Like, I don't think I should have been watching the news every day and like Mm -hmm. washing my groceries every, you know, like, you know what I mean? I think that there, it's important to be aware, but not like engulfed in it. And so I understood my body and my mind's uh, desire to disconnect. And then in, in lieu of that, I poured myself into other things to avoid facing it head on. So whether that was work or side projects or <laughs> um, like screens, like TV or my phone. And I just, for me, I guess I just hope that for next year or whatever, it doesn't need to be like a new year, just going forward. I hope that I can remain a little bit more firmly planted in my life, like feeling a bit more of that like deep connection with people and and with myself as well, as opposed to being in this state of survival where if you look at it head on, it might like (laughs) really destroy you. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, that the reason why that movie resonated with me a lot was the concept of just I feel like I've been sort of floating because you, yeah. I think it's really, it's been just a really tragic year. Mm-hmm. And so I guess for me, when I think forward as to like what I'd like to learn from it and take away and implement, it would be that. And I think that's a, a component of mindfulness and a component of slowing down and all of that. But yeah, yeah, for me, a big mantra for me will be about being more firmly planted and and leaning into deeper connection with other people and and myself. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're describing there is, I mean, it literally is a survival technique. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a bit of dissociation. Like your brain Mm -hmm. kind of disconnects from your sense of self because the feelings are too painful and your brain sees like fear as something that's dangerous. So the yet disconnecting is totally a survival mechanism. And I totally get what you mean where for me, the biggest one is that sense of connection with myself, because Mm -hmm. I think we've both experienced this where we tend to, yeah, lean into other things, whether it's like a project or work or whatever, even if it's like compulsive exercising, whatever it is. And 
at times it definitely can be a bit of running away from icky feelings. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, for me, probably was the biggest learning this year was just like, how can I be in my body even when it doesn't feel good? And Mm -hmm. like, let those emotions like run through me, even if it's (laughs) scary, because a lot of the year it was. And I also kind of have realized that as much of it did come from external circumstances, I recognize a lot of the same feelings from what I was feeling last year. Mm-hmm. And I know that like just the way that my brain works, it's going to find things to be afraid of. And moving forward, hopefully there won't be like another, maybe there will, you know, like hopefully there won't be another pandemic. Maybe there will, but I have to kind of learn how to process these things and yeah, stay connected to myself through it instead of like running away all the time, which mm-hmm. like no tea, no shade. I think that it's a very natural thing to not mm-hmm. want to be present in 2020, but mm-hmm. I think it does delay healing and it it kind of leaves you in that like stuck state of like resisting what's actually happening. You know, I feel like we've talked about that before of the root of all suffering is resisting reality mm-hmm. basically. So that's been my big takeaway this year is like, how can I accept what's going on and process it and not necessarily feel like <laughs> super excited about it, but just like feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the thing about it all is like, also, if you learn nothing and you did nothing and it just was terrible, like that's okay. There's <laughs> yeah. no like this year has been such an interesting exposure of the way that we handle things. Even the fact that at the beginning it was like, you've never been given this time before (laughs) in your life. Don't you waste it. And it's like, Oh my God, how like thickly capitalist mentality is it to be like global pandemic? People are at home, make like, get a new skill, get in like, make more money, get a side hustle. It's just like, oh my God, people. Like, please. It's, I just think it's been such an interesting timeline that that was how it started. And I've seen like it sort of ebb and flow, but I definitely am the type of person who is very much like curated the people that I intake information from, which I think is important. That's not to say that I've made it so that I don't have people who I disagree with, but Mm. definitely things that I find like toxic or harmful, I don't Mm. pay attention to. And so like anyone who's thinks that we should be grinding it out or whatever that mentality is, like is no longer in my vicinity online. And what I've seen a lot of is just like this massive increase in gentleness of people Mm. just being like, if if t- even over Christmas, I'd never seen that before where people were just like, if it's not a merry time and you're not having the best time, that's okay. Like these expectations we place on things to be fun or great or a learning experience or this or that, like it doesn't need to be that. Mm-hmm. And I think that our purpose here today isn't to like try and give it a silver lining. I think it's just to reflect because I think that's important. We're big champions of journaling. And even as I look back on my journal from this year, it's full of these like pieces of wisdom that I didn't realize were wisdom Mm -hmm. when I wrote them that now I'm like, shit, that's that's (laughs) really interesting that I thought that in April or in May. And so I think what our intention is, is just to reflect in a way that 
is just transparent and mm-hmm. not 2021 might look similar. It might, you know what I mean? We don't need to, I posted this thing on our Educated Messes Instagram where it was like, you don't need to reinvent yourself every year. You don't need to hit January 1st and become a new person. You're a really good person already. You've done a lot of work. You survived this year. Like lean into the parts of you that you love or that you're good at or whatever that makes you happy as opposed to trying to think like, how are all of the ways I need to change? Maybe it's like, how do I tap into the parts of me that I'm really excited about or that Mm -hmm. I want to expand or whatever it is? I just think I'm as someone who's like admittedly so obsessed with things like productivity and the optimizing and all that junk. (laughs) New Year's resolutions are really stressful for me. Like I'm literally the type of person that would write out like 30 and (laughs) it would be so impossible, like truly impossible. Anyone who looked at them would say, there's no way that this is going to happen. And yet they're still there. And then I still am so mad at myself when January 27th comes along and I break one. I think (laughs) it's like this, I think a huge learning for me this year has just been to like be more gentle with myself Mm. and others. And I'm going to try my best to do that after this new year change. But that's new for me. I think in the past, I've always been the type of person that's like, you need to always be getting better and improving and evolving and all of that. And I think it's okay if this year was just a bit of a a dip like life has ebbs and flows I just think Mm -hmm. it doesn't you it's not linear I'm the type of person that thinks everything is linear you're always improving life is always getting better and it's like you got to get used to the fact that there's there's going to be some dips yeah it's the full range of the human experience and that includes suffering (laughs) was that last episode when I said life is suffering (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I I totally hear what you're saying. I think that's something that I have been working on as well. Um, just self-compassion and trying mm-hmm. to catch judgment, sometimes externally, but a lot of times internally. I think that I'm a lot more gentle on other people than I am on myself a lot of the time. So practicing just like the way that I talk to myself and yeah, exactly. Like accepting that it's not always going to be good and it's not always going to be productive and it's not always, you know, and that's okay. And you're doing your best. And you know what I also struggle with is the, (laughs) the term do your best, which is something that I think that I kind of turn to a lot. You coined that. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But you know what I have found that my brain has done to that phrase is that what I think my best is. sometimes like more than I maybe am able to do that day so it's got it's got too many stories attached to it now I need to think of something else but oh no my new one is good enough is good enough I love that one (laughs) that's classic perfectionism oh I know perfectionism people pleasing just you know the gamut so I think self-compassion and you know trust the process I guess if I were to summarize it I'm all about the destination (laughs) trying to get better at the in-between okay I have some cues for you okay and I'll answer them too maybe oh maybe okay (laughs) okay what are you most grateful for in your life right now and why right now rapid fire okay okay (laughs) you can take a little (laughs) I am most grateful for I would say the work that I have put into 
understanding my mind and becoming more self-compassionate. Yeah. Cute. Love it. What about you? I'm most grateful for my partnership this year. I think that I was the type of person that always thought that, again, I just expose like I'm just at my core, not the best person. <laughs> but I think that I always thought that a partnership would take from me, like it mm. takes time and it takes energy and it takes space, which I think we talked about when I talked about losing independence and things like that. But this year has really solidified for me what partnership adds. And for me, that's all it's done. And so that's what I'm most grateful for. Interdependence, right? It's so cute. <laughs> Look at me growing old. Yeah. Getting with age. <laughs> um, okay. What memories, if there are any from this past year, do you want to remember forever? You know what? I feel like the couple times when maybe like the the lockdowns weren't as severe or we found ways to connect with friends, they mm -hmm. felt really special. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. we went to the park. Yeah. Lots of park time. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in fields in 2020. <laughs> you became fully obsessed with parks. <laughs> Ooh, what memories do I want to remember? I I think mine is similar. Like just these weird moments where we were able to figure it out in a way and just like the I think because people were so desperate for connection it was like it meant a lot like mm -hmm. I feel like being my friends and the people in my life leaned into like the closeness that we have mm -hmm. with each other in a way that was really cool like I've never been I don't think we've ever exchanged so much like words of affirmation and things like that. Yeah. It was a really solidifying year in friendships, I think. Mm -hmm, totally. Okay. What do you want to let go of? I would like to let go of perfectionism. I think that's still a big one that I'm, I'm working on. Um, and pr the pressure I put on myself to like fix, I guess myself, I think I still like, it, it totally relates to the self-compassion, but I have this idea that there's this state I'm going to get to where mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what Zen master. I don't know what it is. I haven't sort of through that. Yeah, I'm going to reach enlightenment. I'm going to transcend. But I would like to let go of the pressure and and rushing. Like, what's the rush, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, this is right now, this is it. <laughs> like, totally. Stop rushing. I totally agree with that. I... I think a big thing for me is wanting to like, it's sort of, I feel like my productivity obsession is tied mm -hmm. to perfectionism because the totally. perfect person gets everything done. I'm sure that's part <laughs> of it. But yeah, just like, it's so similar to yours in that I seriously asked myself a bunch of times this year, like, what, what are you barreling towards? At such oh, I'm just confused about like genuinely <sighs> like asking myself, like truly, what are you racing against? Who are you, who I'm confused. I know. And so I just think letting go of, yeah, that in like, I really ob obsess over being busy. Mm. And I want to do the opposite of that. Like, I want to get rid of distractions and spend more time in solitude and spend more time sitting there, not fidgeting and doing mindless stuff. Like, I want to be fully present. Yeah. And so I just want to let go of like the obsession with needing to tick off a to-do list and get mm -hmm. things done. And yeah, that was sort of relatable content. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what do you want more of in 2021? I want more. Honestly, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous because I am kind of 
there's this running joke that I have way too many hobbies, but (laughs) I would like more of enjoying the learning process um, when it comes to specifically creative things because I have this weird like if I'm not instantly good at a hobby I hate it so (laughs) that's perfectionism (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so I think enjoying the process it is coming to mind with hobbies but I think just in general of like enjoy the process of like becoming a full human being and living life and being present I think being present is how I would summarize that yeah (laughs) Yeah, I have to do a brief interlude because that just reminds me of a story where I posted something on the Educated Messes Instagram that was about just that. Like it was about like do things without trying to be the best at them, like just do them to enjoy them type things. <laughs> and I posted that and then like right after Kyla posted this uh, picture of a uh, of a mug she made at Pottery and I just thought it was adorable and I know we talk about it on here. So I was like, oh, I'm going to post this on our story. And my friend reached out to me and she's like, is it an accident or like (laughs) these posts are back to back because literally Kyla's hobby is pottery. You just posted like the most ridiculously beautiful mug that she made. And I was like, you're right. That's not a great testament to our theory, but it's not my fault that Kyla excels at at her hobby. I'm average now. (laughs) I made one good mug. I literally went to one. I went to the wheel throwing class. Same one that Kyla did. And after you either like advance and you go do something else, like a an intermediate class. And I asked them, I said, should I do intermediate? And they said, no, I think you should probably do beginner. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I definitely agree with you guys. So no hard feelings, but. Okay. It's so hard though. Like even like. <laughs> we just... had different experiences. <laughs> it's really hard. It so. is really hard. Also, you just, yeah, some people just have a knack for it, but I enjoy it. So I guess to take your advice, I should go back, even though I wasn't great. I think pottery has been a big teacher to me of just like (laughs) slow down, pay attention, enjoy doing something tactical, you know. Mm. Also, a great, like, I'm sure people would agree that pottery is meditation because you literally you can't do anything but what you're doing. And like, I think you zone in quite a bit on it because you have to be so focused. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's something about it to me that I found like deeply like calming because you don't touch your phone for three hours. You're just there. You're trying to make a a, like one bowl. Like that's your (laughs) whole purpose in that time. Like Mm -hmm. there's something very, that's a good thing to be doing, I think. Yeah. You know, that was my big like turning point of, getting a bit better at pottery was I just like took a big breath before you know like diving in and I'm trying to slow down and literally just slowing down was like one of the biggest things that I had to do you can't rush it at all it's just Mm -mm. not yeah it's good to do things like that I yeah I'd say that's a huge thing too is just to like create for the sake of it like my friend Danica taught me how to paint watercolors this year and when I say taught I just mean like she showed me literally how to use watercolor paints I don't know how but like I painted all of my cards my holiday cards this year for like family and it's just so funny because it's like it doesn't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a painter like in any (laughs) shape or form like I'm not an artist but it's fun. I like doing it. And like, it's almost funny when it doesn't go well, too, because I'm just like, you have no idea what you're doing right now. Like, I don't know. There's just, it, it, 
it's so trivial and yet joyful and all yeah. I needed was a was paper and paints like it's not an expensive thing to pick up and I don't know I just think there's I think that there has to be value in doing things like that absolutely just doing something for the sake of doing it you know mm. that's that's like all about the journey yeah agreed <laughs> yeah, like did you answer that question uh what do I want more of I mean on a very literal level um I'd like to uh, like be near people more um but I think also 2020 for me was a big year of like going in like Mm -hmm. both when it comes to my mental health and just my life in general I feel like I spent a lot of time just sort of either alone or like quiet and I think that's important I think we have years where like we go inwards versus years where we're like very externally stimulated, which is good. But I honestly feel like I'm really ready for a year where like it's more focused on joy. And Mm. I know maybe you can't choose that, but I'm going to try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think I spend, I spend a little bit too much time in my head trying to figure it all out and I'd like Mm. to just lean into joy and for me I think that's like it's so simple that's what this year has taught me is like you can find joy in so many simple things and so even if it's just like playing games or like finding joy in moments or like looking for fun when you might not otherwise I think that almost like those joy triggers we talked about earlier this year I need to give myself a break to put what I've learned into practice as mm. opposed to always trying to be in a learning state. Does that make sense? Right. I totally relate to that. that Sometimes like I really get answer. No, but. no, I get it. I get it's like the fix it thing. It's kind of the same thing yeah. of like trust the journey. It's not all about like getting to a certain point of enlightenment, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think I've been doing that for a while. And now it's like maybe go do the stuff. You I'm can- done learning. Yeah. Head empty. Also, I'm borrowing a bunch of these questions from I just want to give credit where credit is due. Um, <laughs> I put it on our Educated Messes Instagram story. So if you don't follow us, that's your fault. But it's from <laughs> a, like an Instagram creator. Oh, it's the founder of Earth Connection Oil. And their Instagram is being underscore MJ Renshaw. And they put up like a reflecting. So just so you know where these cues are coming from. Put it in the show notes. Educatedmesses.com. <laughs> I hate to ask this question because have you seen on Instagram how people keep posting these things and it kind of looks like a crossword and they're like the three words that you see (laughs) will define 2021 (laughs) I'm like yeah that's all life words (laughs) no I haven't seen that and then a girl I know posted one and it was like making a joke of it and I so I looked at it thinking it was the same one and my words were like vodka fun pizza I'm like oh you're this is a joke. I get it. So I want to make sure that we're not saying that, but I think this is different because we're not using a word search. But <laughs> what are three words that you want to define 2021 for you? Does that make okay. sense? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it kind of ties into everything we've already been saying, but I would say present, mm-hmm. curious, and compassionate. Ooh, cute. What about you? <laughs> I've been writing some down like over the past couple weeks because I get a lot. 
oh my god, I'm actually like embarrassed to keep bringing up the class, but like sometimes a word will come to me and I'll be like, ah, I want to like think on this. Um, I think for me, nature, alignment, and becoming. Ooh are my three that I wrote down. I got goosebumps. I want to do a Brene Brown say more about becoming. <laughs> I think it's kind of what I talked about where it's like, I don't want to spend all my time like nitpicking at who I am as a person to try to get it to a place where one day I'm just like, it's me and it's working. <laughs> and I'm done. Yeah. I <laughs> Fully cooked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to be the person that I am as I'm evolving and I want to be that like out loud and not just internally. I think it's sort of – and if you have a different interpretation of becoming, like that's fine. This is just what it means to me. I think it ties in a lot to like authenticity for me and also I spend so much of my time thinking about – what other people think of me? Will they think that that's uh, this or will they blah, blah? Like the voice is just endless. And so I think for me, the becoming side of it is just like being me as I am authentically out loud and just like letting that exist in the open as yeah. it is. Does that I make like sense? That, a lot. that totally does. <laughs> okay. I there was a quote that I heard recently that I really liked and it was what other people think of you is none of your business. Yes. I really a, like that. I think that's an AA quote. Oh, it might've been. Yeah. 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 I yeah. really, really like that. That might've been from the podcast you posted. Yeah. What other people think of you is none of your business. I yeah. I think that. that was from um, Brene Brown's, what is that? Unlocking us. Yeah. Her and Tim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good. I like that one a lot. And there was one other one. That's okay. kind of like my partner's mentality that I talked about in that other thing. It's like, it's mm-hmm. none of your business. Like these other, it's just kind of like keep your head up and like just don't involve yourself in that. It's just, it literally is none of your business. Like it's just okay. such a funny mentality that doesn't come naturally to me that mm-hmm. is so valuable, I think. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then another thing that I think about a lot, which I think came from the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, is that. If you're ever making a decision and the reason you're doing it is to impact how someone else feels, then Mm. it's not a good reason to do a thing, you know? So if it's Mm. like, oh, I'm hanging out with someone so they don't get mad at me, like not a good reason. Like maybe, maybe rethink that. I like those two things a lot. I come back to that a lot. That's so interesting. That kind of reminds me of... Now we're just spewing quotes, but we can end the year the same way we started it. This is how yeah. we started podcasting. Um, I loved – I recommend everyone goes to listen to that podcast with Brene Brown and Dak Shepard and Tim Ferriss just because there's little nuggets that you can pull from it in what relates to you. Definite trigger warning, though. It's They'll give you it at the beginning, but just be conscious of that. I love when they talk about vulnerability because Brene Brown is the queen of all things vulnerability. And for me – vulnerability has been like a big evolution. And even when I was looking back, we were asking this question, me and my family around like, what are you, what are you most proud of in this past year? And this podcast for me is it and not because of any like metric or this or that, but simply because my whole 
adult life, I've had such a hard time telling people how I feel. And now I do it on the internet, which is still, I think I live in a, like, I dissociate from the fact that people listen to it somehow because otherwise (laughs) I wouldn't do it, I don't think. But I really loved what they said about vulnerability when um, she was talking about when she's deciding what to share versus what not to share. Because some things, it's not like being vulnerable is just like telling everyone everything. It's like, that's not how I feel about it. And what she said is, if my healing is dependent on how you respond, then I'm not ready to share it. And I, I'm Brene. Ooh, Brene. <laughs> and I loved it so much because I, for me, that's a big part of it is like, I can think of times in the past where I opened up to someone about something and they didn't know how to respond, like at no fault of their own. I'm not like, you know what I mean? They didn't know how to to respond or how to give me what I needed in that moment and I was so dependent on what they were going to say that then I was even more crushed like I would have been better off keeping it to myself and I think that's how I got in like a really tricky relationship with vulnerability is because like you do that a certain number of times and then you go never mind I'm not going to do this anymore I'll just keep (laughs) it to myself and I don't think that's necessarily true with like your loved ones like sometimes you have to talk about things even though it's still raw and all of that but I think even I've learned that throughout this year with things we've spoken about on here. It's like if I'm worried about how someone's going to react to it or think about it or whatever it is, then I probably like shouldn't talk about it because it's not like fully Mm – it doesn't have an end in my mind quite yet if I'm like still considering that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think Mm -hmm. maybe an important note is – find a relationship with someone that you trust and will not judge you for where you're at in your process and that I think a good person is a therapist for for Mm -hmm. those things where you can kind of process in real time um because I I totally hear what you're saying like if you go to someone and you open up and you get hurt totally it'll just solidify the fact that that's a dangerous thing and you shouldn't do it so yeah And people people aren't equipped personally with that. And that's, I think, one of the greatest failings of the way we talk about therapy is people are always like, everyone should have someone that listens to them. And I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying. (laughs) And also a therapist isn't just listening to you. They're not just like a person with no brain that just like sits there and hears (laughs) you, which is, I agree that speaking out loud about like a non-judgmental third party, great. But I think it's really, really important to differentiate that a therapist is not just a good listener. So (laughs) just because your partner or your buddy is a good listener, they're not a therapist. It's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You can't treat them the same. (laughs) People with professional backgrounds in how to respond to the things that you tell them is very important. It's not (laughs) the same. And I think that's why I have even seen this on – in an article I was reading about how uh, this big issue is that like women – and I'm sure you've seen this like term where it's like women are not rehabilitation centers for broken and something men because a lot of women feel like they play the role of a therapist to their partner because typically men don't have an outlet for that because men aren't mm-hmm. as comfortable talking to other men about it because they're shamed for having feelings, that all that. I won't get into all that, but I think we all know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So when they have a partner, they often, when they are ready to open up, that's who it's happening to, which mm-hmm. of course we want people to have open conversations, all of that. 
but that does not replace the need of like someone who has more of a professional designation. And I know that therapy isn't accessible for everyone. And so I'm not trying to like shove that down people's throats, but like books from your library, like I know we always talk about how we're obsessed with Brene Brown, but like actually reading Gifts of Imperfection changed my life like four years ago. So, and I hadn't been to therapy yet. So I think there's ways to like find experts without meeting with them, whether it's mm-hmm. podcasts or and not us, we're not them. <laughs> but finding experts who who have the training, who know what they're talking about. And then like you have the tools inside of you for sure. So like I just think it's important to be really intentional about who you share with, when you share, how you share. It's just if you have access to therapy, I one last thing about it is if you work for any so- sort of big company, even like moderately big, they likely have an EFAP program or an EAP program. You could probably find it on your benefits site or there might be like a brochure hanging in the break room. I don't know. <laughs> That's where it was when I worked at the bank. Call a 1-800 number. They hook you up with a therapist, either in person or online, depends on COVID, all of that. Costs you nothing. No one knows about it. It's completely anonymous. You never see a bill. You never submit it. It all goes through back channels. It's like <laughs> literally saved my life. And I just like you you might have access to it and just not know about it. I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I just think do a little bit of digging to see if if you can access it in some way or if your benefits totally. cover one session or whatever it is or find it online or from trusted authors or or podcasters or things like that. I just yeah. think this year has been very difficult and I personally had to – I was no longer seeing a therapist who I really liked and had a really hard time. <laughs> finding a new one when I say hard time I mean literally like let me divulge all my trauma to you and then realize that you suck and then let me go see someone else they suck too like it's gross it's terrible when it's bad that that happens I get that but it's like dating you I guess sort of you need to find someone who works for you yeah yeah and so stay adamant to that if you're looking like just try and remove the shame from it just be like just if you need to like fake it just be like I'm just seeing what this is like think of it as a social experiment like don't you don't need to put so much weight on it Mm -hmm. I just think it's for me this year was a year where I finally found someone who I really really liked again and started going to see them and within like four sessions I'm like oh my god Kelsey this you just just spent like a year talking about how well like I'll find someone and like putting it off and all this and in four hours I'm just like I am such a dumbass like (laughs) where were you eight months ago oh it's so hard I told yeah I think I know someone wanted us to do an episode Mm -hmm. on how to find a therapist and we can definitely try and do that at some point I don't know if we're qualified to but you know we'll figure something out but I know there also are programs that have um like sliding scales based on your income so just yeah definitely look into it yeah so if you have any questions from like the human side of it of just not knowing what to expect or not knowing like what boundaries there are things like that you can always dm us we have only our personal experience to speak from but if that's helpful we're so open to it I've seen 
lots of people where it didn't work. People have different um, methods of working. They have different – there's lots of different types of therapy. So just like know that it's a bit of a process. It's like finding a doctor. I guess most of us just had one of those when we grew up, but (laughs) it's difficult. And so it can be really disheartening. And I think that the – if there's one takeaway, it's that in my experience, it has been so, so, so important and so worth it. And it's not just someone who listens to to you. They they are doing things far beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay, this kind of bleeds into my next question for you. Sorry, I just went on such a freaking rant about therapy. No, it's important. It's just, it is such a, it's tricky stuff. It is. It's weird that it's hard. But yeah, send us a DM. We'll chat. Okay, last question. Kyla, how can you incorporate more self-care and more community care in 2021? Oh, okay. (laughs) Self-care. I think continuing the practices that I have been doing that I know help to keep my mind calm and making time to do that. So for me, that's meditating, journaling, and movement are just like like the pillars of my well-being it seems so continuing that and prioritizing that that would be my self-care advice to myself mm-hmm. and self-care for my community that is it's tricky because when you feel kind of disconnected from mm-hmm. the community but what i have been doing and i found has really kind of sparked a passion in me is creating spaces for women to feel safe and learn how to advocate for themselves in the workplace. That has made my work feel very purposeful in the past year. And I'm working to create a more formal program for that in my workplace. So I would, this is me holding myself accountable to continuing to do that because sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's a feeling of like, who am I to be doing this? But Mm-hmm. It imposter. Yeah, totally imposter syndrome. But it feels important and it makes me feel connected to something bigger than myself. So yeah. Love that. What about you? That's 10 out of 10 answer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um self-care. Oh, this year really kicked my ass in the health department. <laughs> oh, so yeah, true. I think what I learned is honestly just like the importance of taking care of myself. I think that's just something I sort of put on the back burner. Like health is so important. And I learned that you shouldn't choose work or success or things like that at the cost of your health or your well-being. And there's more to life than the work you do and the rewards you receive and I think there was this pursuit this year to like try and achieve a perfect work-life balance and I just really don't know that it exists and I almost just feel like constantly striving for balance for me is also feeling like reaching for something I can't quite grasp Mm. and that doesn't feel good either and so something I've been big on asking myself lately is things like how can I support myself in feeling better? today. Yeah. And then just doing my best to listen, whether that's like you need more sleep or you should go outside or you should drink a smoothie or like whatever it is. Simple moments of just like, how are you taking care of yourself in whatever that looks like to you? I spend so much time 
thinking externally. And I think a big thing for me is just like, I want to start listening to, I think that we know we have all of the answers, like you have them all within you. And so how do you listen? And then how do you lean into acting with that inherent knowledge? Yeah, I love that. I, not to interrupt your community no. part, but something I was thinking about on my 26th birthday, which was about a week or so ago, was that that piece of listening to how you feel. And I think that like, in my mind, at least right now, kind of the key to everything is do what feels good to you because there's no one right way to live a life. Mm -hmm. And that can apply to anything. Like how much should you work out? Okay. What feels good to you? How should you eat? What, how, what feels good to you? You know, like who should you spend your time with? What feels good to you? It kind of is a way of rooting back to exactly who you are and no one else can tell you how to do that. And I just, I love that so much. And I think you're totally right. Like if you listen, you'll, you know, you know what you need and you know, just, just try and listen to that. <laughs> easier said than done. And I think I was just going to say, it's so much easier said than done to listen to ourselves because we have so much external stimuli. So much. It's like we live in the world of what I eat in a day video bullshit <laughs> where I'm like, we can't even figure out what we want to eat in a day. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's things have gotten like there's too much input yeah this is this is my workout routine this is what I do blah 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 I'm like it's fine whatever people can share what they want but I think what where the issue is is like where do we turn that off and go like how do I adapt this or even how do I scrap that completely because yeah. I don't like it yeah. and what am I what do I like what do I want how do I feel right now I actually think it's very hard to to get there because we're constantly berated with like what other people think is the right way to do so and shoulds everywhere so many and even when the shoulds are healthy which we've talked about too whether it's like I should meditate I should do this whatever it is it's like I hope that if anything when we get when we start to talk about these things on this podcast it's like the premise is to find what works for you and not to try to like shame <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and so yeah that is my self-care is just to try to listen to myself better because I think that my body tried to tell me a lot of things this year and I was like no thank you and then my body was like psych <laughs> we're gonna do it anyways so oh, I like that. better to listen community care I think is so interesting because my community changed a lot this year in terms of like the way it looks and how it functions and all of that. I think for me, community care, I think, I hope it will take on different shapes throughout the year as we hopefully have like a slightly different landscape for how the year goes. But I think a big thing for me when I was reflecting on this year was kind of coming back to the idea, which I know this is also cheesy, but like the concept of like, what do you want to be known for or kind of thing? Like who when it's all said and done, like, who were you to people? Mm -hmm. And I think it's, <laughs> it's so embarrassing and so funny to think that uh, I like is hard working a thing that I actually wanted. Like, why is that number one? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that being a good friend and a good person and a, and a part of my community that like is helpful and thoughtful and things like that 
is so much more important to me. And so I'd really like to lean into like generosity of spirit and thinking about how to better take care of a community and how to better share and how to help people. And I'm not sure exactly what that looks like for me yet, but I think this podcast has been something that's been really helpful for me, even the fact that anyone would feel seen or heard or just relate to something. I think telling stories is really powerful and I'm not trying to like toot our own horns. <laughs> I just think that's true. I find listening to other people tell their stories to be really impactful on me. So I hope to continue to do that in a way that's meaningful in some capacity. Yeah. I think that feels like a really good place to end that mm -hmm. if this podcast is helping you, like that is the purpose for us. And we love it when you DM us or let us know that something resonated. So <laughs> episode made me so emo oh I know I know but it was good I needed to let it out so mm -hmm. I guess that's that's it leave us a review mm -hmm. if you want to <laughs> send us a DM we love to hear from you that's it all right first year wrapped we're excited yeah new year new app. new new year yeah. same yeah. us <laughs> us but growing <laughs> yeah okay anything else no, that's everything. Love you, buddy. I love you. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, Kyla, are you ready for a fact check? <laughs> Don't laugh. Ah, I'm ready. I feel like I pulled a little more weight in this fact check, and I'm pretty proud about <laughs> that because usually I feel like I did I do nothing. <laughs> you were gonna say in this episode, which would have been equally funny. But... No, 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 because you essentially did the fact check. I sent notes. I don't know if they made sense, and I also they cannot did. help. Okay, great. Okay, then I'm ready. Um, they did make sense. Uh, it was pretty funny though, because he'd be like, it, it would, there was so much commentary. It'd be like a fact, and then it'd be like, IDK, what the freaking context of this is, IDK, IDK, question mark, question mark. And I'm just like, okay, I'll just go listen. You know what happened is I wrote them down like as I was editing, and then I went back and read my notes, and I was like, these are stupid notes. And so I was mad at myself. I think that's what was going on. They're great. It helped a lot. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's hear. Go. We actually we we spewed some facts in this episode. Okay. So you <laughs> just to start us off with a doozy. One of the things you wrote down was how long did human beings live in tribes for, which I don't even think we talked about when I read. Yeah, I did. I said um, something like because I'm always really bad at saying like hundreds or thousands of years. Like uh, I have no concept of time. So that's that's what I was trying to fact check. <laughs> Yeah, I obviously don't have an answer to that question because like some people still do. And my True. only counter to that would be like I'd go read some Yuval Harari or something like some Sapiens and that right. might provide some insight. It might take you a year. It took me about a year to get through that book, but okay. I think the fact check then is just that like humans Forever. naturally live in tribes and period. Okay. We'll okay. go with that. What length of hug down-regulates your nervous system? Kyla said one minute. So, did I say that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you did. I went back and checked because I wanted to <laughs> – it's, it's important to know what you said too. Oh, yeah. There are a few components to a perfect hug. This is what I found out in my research. So first of all, I did say in this episode that I'm not a big hugger and – 
after reading these, I feel like it's time to just get on board with it. So, Ooh, okay. <laughs> so first point, you have to hold on tight. So you can't have these like loosey goosey hugs. Yeah. The deep pressure that happens in a hug, not like intense, like don't squeeze people. <laughs> Always ask before hugging. But this sends it like it's detected by receptors and sends a signal of safety to your autonomic nervous system. And that turns down the anxiety we feel from the activation of our sympathetic nerve, which is like fight or flight. Pesky mm-hmm. cortisol comes into play, obvious, because it lowers cortisol to have hugs. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of related to, do you remember the story of Temple Grandin and like the she was on a farm and she created like a hug machine? Oh, it's ringing a bell, but not a very loud one. Yeah, I think there was a movie about it that was just called Temple or something, but it came out quite a while ago. Was she um, hugging cows? I no, not. <laughs> oh. I think the cows went into like a contraption. I think before they got oh slaughtered. to make them calm down. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm there. But yep. then she realized that like it worked on humans too, right, and right, right. then they thought it just worked on humans who like had autism or like um like ADHD, different things like that. But then they realized like no, it works on everyone. It's good for everyone. Lowers cortisol. Ooh. That like feeling of medium pressure. It's kind of like medium. a weighted blanket, I guess. I'd like some medium pressure, please. <laughs> like a medium one medium pressure hug, please. <laughs> and so the other point of this is that you said a minute, 20 seconds. Is it like key? Ooh. It needs to be at least 20 seconds. So if you want to hug okay. for a minute, all the power to you. But yeah. it releases oxytocin once you do it for 20 seconds. So that like a bit of a longer hug is important. And then we talked about how many hugs you need per day. Also, the funniest part about fact checks are you are always sharing things that you read in like a study. And I'm always like, one time I saw an Instagram <laughs> post. <laughs> so it's painful to fact check. But I did it. So I say you need eight hugs per day. Right. A family therapist named Virginia Satir once said, we need four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, and 12 hugs a day for growth. 12 is so many hugs. It's so many. a lot of hugs. Dude, when I used to go into work, it would be like hugs left and right. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. But a big part of what this family therapist was talking about when she was talking about these hugs is that we're super touch deprived in this, I don't know, generation these these days. <laughs> and that's why I think it's like those, like the more hugs, the better. Like physical touch is very important. And so I think it's, I don't know that it's scientific that 12 hugs a day for growth, <laughs> but I think the, the underlying argument is just that we don't, like, there's not enough physical touch in, in today's day. <laughs> 13 hugs a day is too many. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Then you die. Dare. Then you die. Just like coffee. <laughs> you'll pass away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is just like my coffee statistic. Eight coffees for growth. 10? Premature death. (laughs) Okay, you said 90% of communication is nonverbal. And so I looked it up. You're not wrong. There's a bunch of disagreement amongst the folks of the science world, and it ranges from 70% up to 93%, but that's a range that they all agree on. So you slide right in there. Nice. You also mentioned Uncanny Valley, and you don't include it in the fact check because you just know what this is because you like love robots and computers. (laughs) 
But I thought it was so funny listening back to this because you say Uncanny Valley and in the recording, I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. And I'm like, you have no idea what that means. I don't know why you're agreeing. So oh I Googled God. it. Um, Uncanny Valley is essentially for them non-nerds like me. It's the – and maybe you can correct me if this isn't the best definition. But from what I could okay. tell, it's like – the more an object resembles a human being, the more our emotional response is to such an object. Yeah. So basically, I don't remember what context I use it in, but like, I think the idea, and we're doing this in the fact check, so I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure this is right, <laughs> is that up to a certain point of something looking like a human, your brain likes it more. But then when it crosses a certain point, then you don't trust it. You like it less. So that point I think is what's called the uncanny valley is like when you like it's too close to human but not quite human and it really confuses your brain oh I was probably using it in like a zoom context yeah you were so a good example of an uncanny valley experience is the movie polar express I don't know if you remember (laughs) the animated film look it up everyone listening look it up you'll know exactly what the uncanny valley is if you just watch like the trailer of that movie there you go oh now I'm so intrigued So this is something you wrote in the fact check notes. Do our brains get weird with Zoom because you feel like it's not a real human in brackets, all caps, IDK man. (laughs) So I fact checked this sort of idea, I guess. I don't know how to Google that. (laughs) There's some really cool stuff. Actually, now if you Google, you can Google like Zoom fatigue and they actually have some studies on it. And so one thing that I pulled out of that that I thought was really interesting, and as always, I'll link what I looked at in our show notes on our website, educatedmesses.com. But one thing I read about was that because there's like a millisecond delay in virtual verbal responses, and that doesn't mean like tech issues, nothing. It's just because like you're not in person. There's like just this like tiny delay that actually has a really negative effect on our interpersonal perceptions. And so they found that like with functional MRI data, they revealed that live face-to-face interactions compared to recordings like Zoom are associated with greater activation in the same brain regions involved in rewards. So like your amygdala is part of that. So even just like me and Kyla having the same conversation on Zoom that we would have in person, they saw like greater activation of your reward center when you were in person. So it's just Hmm. like exactly what we were saying where it increases your nervousness about things, you read into things, like it just something doesn't quite sit right. Also the irony of us looking at each other on Zoom right now, I'm like, you you love so sad. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it also talks about how those audio delays that are just like natural to technology are associated with more negative perceptions and distrust between people. So there's like decreased reward perceived when we're video conferencing. And another part of that is like the mutual gaze. And so that's about eye contact. So I think we all know that like eye contact improves connection, improves conversation, and all these different things, increased likability, all of this. 
But when you're on video with a, with a bunch of people, you're obviously ma- – you're not making eye contact with one person or you can't tell or you're looking at a camera or your screen. Like it's just not the same. And so you're not able to like distinguish that mutual gaze between two people and that has like a really negative impact on the connection that's being created. Whoa. That's so interesting because I swear I always feel like everybody hates me on Zoom. <laughs> it's like so uncomfortable like it's gotten to the point where I'm like I can't be on camera like I just can't do it also nothing causes me more discomfort than I have like really bad secondhand embarrassment like I even like certain movies I think we've talked about this I'm just like not interested in watching someone embarrass themselves it's not fun for me (laughs) when I'm having like big zoom meetings or whatever it is and like everyone's on mute except for the person who's talking and then that person makes a joke but everyone's (gasps) on mute and I'm just like I am sick to my stomach (laughs) lack of response and like it's no one's fault you're not gonna unmute and be like (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like no jokes no jokes I can't watch you get no response it hurts my soul I can't so funny I know all these things that like are these weird zoom social interactions that like I feel like no one's really talking about the like weirdness of yeah like digital communication and like the awkward pauses. God, I have to laugh about it because otherwise I get so dark about it. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like people joke about like the easy things like, am I on mute and stuff like that? I'm like, that is the least of my concern. No. Like, it's like, am I talking and no one can hear me and I'm frozen and I'm going to have to repeat all of this and I'm going to tell a joke and then no one's going to hear it. <laughs> then I can see myself be embarrassed. Oh my God, no kidding. Being able to see your own face. <laughs> Alrighty, moving along again. We're in a mood today. So we talk about how <laughs> social media is like fake connection. Like it's we think it takes the place of connection, but it's not really right. a substitute for it. And I'll link this study in our show notes too, but they did a study where they actually like hypothesized that people with higher, they call it SMU, social media use, <laughs> would okay. feel less socially isolated. Like they thought, oh, the more you use right, social media, right. the more socially connected you are. And guess what, Kyla? What? Tell me. The opposite <laughs> was true. Who would have thought? So obviously we know that social connection is very important to say, like to staying alive in general. We always talk about how social connection is like we're social creatures, da da da. But it's also <laughs> like it's, it's not just for elderly people and things like that. Like it's really important. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Friendship isn't just for old people. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean that. people get really worried about old people being alone because really oh, right. their health. But yeah, yeah, same. everyone's health. Um, yes. Young adults with high SMU <laughs> feel more socially isolated than their counterparts with lower SMU. Cool. Wow. Got it. That's all there is. What's the it. like, is there like a threshold? No, like don't how- ask questions. Oh. Stop. Okay. How much um, is too much? No, it just said to like use it really consciously and think about like how you're using it and when you're using it, who you're talking to and stuff like that. Yeah, that is a good point. Okay. Also, I don't know where you got this from, but you said if you're ever doing something to impact how someone else feels, is that the definition of manipulation? <laughs> what if your friend is sad and you're going to hang out with them and make them feel better? 
Or is it like that should be to support your friend rather than make them happy? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. IDK how to fact check this. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what manipulation is and I'm going to ease some of your worries because that's not manipulation to want to make someone feel good. Okay. So first of all, like everyone can get manipulative sometimes. It's not – there's a difference between being like pathologically manipulative and – having a bad day and maybe like manipulating a situation a little bit or like responding to a partner in a not so nice way or something like that. So just know that like just because you feel like, oh, I feel like I was being a little manipulative, that doesn't make you a manipulative person. Okay. But emotional manipulation or like social manipulation is when a manipulative person seeks power over someone else and employs dishonest or exploitive strategies to gain it. Um, Okay. They're trying to use control. And I think that's what's really important is like the dishonesty piece and like the control piece because – I think like, oh, I want my friend to feel better. You're probably not going to like lie a bunch to them or like do weird <laughs> shit like to make – you know what I mean? Right. Whereas I think what what comes to mind when I think about manipulation is like when people give like ultimatums like I'm going to do this if you don't do this. And then it's okay. like probably not true that you're going right. to do that thing. It's like a power thing. I got it. Um, You wanted me to say what the trigger warning for the Brene Brown episode was. She gives the trigger warning at the beginning of the episode, so you're fine. What's it for? Like, lots of talk about sexual assault, and like, if you've ever listened to Armchair Expert, you probably know that Dax Shepard had some childhood trauma, and they just talk about it pretty openly, which is important and valuable, but I just think people should be careful what they consume depending on what their personal situation is. Cool. Okay. Last one. I pull out another sweet, sweet fact from Instagram. <laughs> so I say something like, women are not rehabilitation centers for broken and something men because I didn't know the quote, um, but I found it. So there's a bunch of different ones. <laughs> but the one that I was most able to find, and I'm going to tweak it a little bit because I don't oh, love the quote. quote as is. This is a quote <laughs> by Kelsey. Okay, I'll give you the <laughs> real quote and then I'll tweak it. Okay. It says, it says, woman, you are not rehabilitation centers for badly raised men, which I don't love. Ooh, okay. It is not your job to fix him, change him, parent him, or raise him. You want a partner, not a project. <laughs> so I, okay. Okay. I shouldn't be gendered because, like, woman can be broken, too. Also, that um, puts a lot of the blame on the, like, off of parent. the man. Just saying. Okay. Yeah. Continue. And when you think badly raised, no, that's the whole quote. But – um, that's what I really didn't like about it too. Like badly raised, like uh, let's take some agency, people. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your quote? <laughs> My quote is: <laughs> all I wanted to say is that <laughs> what was I even talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Women are not rehabilitation centers for broken and damaged men. Is I think the okay, quote okay. I remember it as, and I do agree with the concept of like. I think it came out of this quote that's like that's also famous in some other world that's like even in or like an angel can turn any man into or any Okay. 
counter to that. It's like, okay. don't put that on us. Do like, we don't want a project. We want a partner. <laughs> oh, it's empowering. Okay. Were you not empowered when I first? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. That's all I have for you today. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, everyone, for a great 2020. We'll do better in 2021. (laughs) This is 2021. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs)